When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get everything you need to keep your pets happy and healthy at Menards. Feed your canine companion the best with chicken soup for the soul. Their dog food is made with real quality ingredients. It provides well-balanced nutrition for supporting happy, healthy pets. Explore all our pet products in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go. Every day giftable. Every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Do your part to reduce waste and recycle right. Many of us are ordering more items, such as food and other goods, delivered to our homes. More packages means more waste. Consolidate smaller orders into one larger order to reduce waste. When shopping in person, bring a reusable bag. Recycle right by keeping plastic bags, foam containers, rechargeable batteries, and garden hoses out of your recycling bin. Learn more at GoRecycle.org. Brought to you by Montgomery County, the City of Alexandria, and Fairfax County. All right, it's a, another film study as we're going to look back at the Week 11 um, mess of a game. Ken McCusick, how you doing? Life's good, Josh. How you doing? 
I'm doing all right. I'm ready to keep moving forward in this Raven season. Yeah, that's about what we're what we're doing at this point. It's uh, obviously been a disappointing stretch, but we're gonna we're gonna hopefully get through it. Not good news today with the COVID situation, uh, but the good news of today is that Jason Woolbert is joining us to talk about Hello. the defense from us. How you doing, Jason? Hi. Um, I'm alive and uh, for the most part healthy, so I'm counting my blessings there. Very and, that's, good. and that's exactly where we got to start this game is with health as the Ravens have some COVID news today. And then the NFL has also kind of taken a step back after the Ravens news to try to make things even more stricter with mask wearing and everything. So COVID is definitely affecting the NFL right now. So I did not see the NFL's response to this. Is it just another memo saying you have to follow procedures A and B and C and D? It is limits to 62 players on the field. So, so you got to be careful with, can't have your injured guys just hanging around Mm -hmm. and it is everyone on the sideline wearing masks and play callers having to wear like the big glass visor or plastic visor if they don't choose to use the the mask. So it's just more strict like that. And then less uh, handshakes like to go greet each other at the end of the game, you have to put a mask on first. (laughs) Okay. I mean, uh, yeah, you're laughing because it, it's weird because they can all touch each other and be in each other's face on the football field, and then we got to be careful. But they're doing the NFL is doing whatever they can to try to get this season in, and I think right now the Ravens might have the uh, one of the riskier moves as they've got a game in four days. Yes, game in four days, two on the COVID list, another one added as a close contact, Brandon Williams, but obviously J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram, two big losses at running back. And uh, it's it's an opportunity for someone from the positive standpoint. But uh, Jason, how do you how do you how do you put it like that? Gus Edwards obviously going to get some carries. Maybe they even used him less on Sunday in anticipation of this somehow. If I were the Ravens front office, I'd be doing everything in my power to get the NFL to push back the the date uh, of the game coming up. For lots and of reasons. For lots of reasons. Uh, but uh, the least of which right now is to be able to actually get Brandon Williams and Calais Campbell potentially on the field um, against the Steelers. Um, if they're not able to do that and they have to play – uh, Thursday, um, more and more of the situation on offense anyway, the, that the Ravens have gone through with the injuries and COVID now is lending me to believe they should start spreading the offense out more. I think they should start thinking about going with more one, one personnel, um, and uh, three wide or perhaps even four wide. And I know that may sound strange to people who realize that wide receiver production is down as it's ever been lately with the team. But uh, uh, I am of the belief that right now, personnel-wise, and if you want to get the best 11 people out there on offense, three or four of them are going to be wide receivers. Um, And uh, you could... Run Gus Edwards. Uh, the the problem with having Gus Edwards there in in such formations is that the the teams won't necessarily respect him as a receiver. In which case, I would 
seriously consider using him as a receiver because I have seen him be able to catch the ball. I mean, um, and then of Even course, Justice this Hill, year he is not. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Justice Hill, that's supposed to be part of his calling card, even though he didn't, he wasn't really a huge receiving threat in college. People see his body type and, 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 uh, and how he moves and imagine him being that. But um, they imagine that, but he has not been a good pro receiver so far. He's caught nine out of 16 balls thrown his way, which is embarrassingly low for a running back, four and a half yards per res- per target, I should say. But right. Jason, we got we got to get back to the defense here. And, and Sorry. Jim, I, Josh has got to read it. Well, no, and I was going to say, we're going to get into that in deep in the offense tomorrow. I think the big takeaway is just COVID and how the NFL is handling this. And have they, did they give any – leeway about uh reevaluating thursday or is it just we're playing unless more things come out i i have not heard i i didn't even hear the the single page of new okay. rules that the nfl had set up so i i presume there's an opportunity to move the game but the ravens are now in a situation where he's passed the bye week so it's not a uh the ravens are past the bye week so right. they, they'd have to make up a week 18 of the season right Exactly. And I guess that's what the NFL is trying not to do through all this. I suppose because it's a nationally televised game on prime time that they wouldn't be able to swap it out with something else. They're not in the flex part of the schedule yet. Gotcha. I guess guess that makes sense that the NFL really wants a game on Thanksgiving night as well. It's a game that can't be moved. If it were a Monday night game, even they could move that without too much difficulty. But a Thursday night game, you just you can't move somebody else into that spot. Yeah. So they'd have to have it be a nationally televised game, maybe on Saturday, maybe on Monday, maybe on Tuesday, even if they wanted to really move it back and and make it be a practical thing. And if you move move it to Sunday, then that creates a problem for next Thursday, because then the, then the Cowboys will have played on on a week's rest, and the Ravens will be playing on four day a three days rest. So I don't think I don't think that work either. Sadly, I everything everything right now points to a beatdown uh, yes. Thursday. So you may just have to take your take your medicine and move on. Uh, being six and five towards the the last chunk of the schedule, in which case things soften up a little bit. All right, well, teams. All right, well, with the COVID news, that's changing every day. So we'll cover that again tomorrow as we uh, look ahead. But today we're going to look back and especially look at the defense but first i gotta get to my bookie thanksgiving is about traditions like the turducken and mashed potatoes and betting on football with my bookies turkey day free play it's my bookies third annual turkey day free play this thanksgiving which is your chance to bet up to 250 dollars risk-free on the early thanksgiving game the turkey day free play is a no risk all gravy wager on the full game spread Pick the right team and you win. If your team is upset, your bet up to $250 is refunded before the next afternoon game. New players also will get their first deposit matched halfway up to $1,000 to help add even more excitement to the greatest football weekend of the year. So that's right. Make your first deposit and get extra cash that you can use on parlays, teasers, whatever else you want. Plus, we got that big boxing match uh, this weekend as well. Use the promo code RAVENS in order to claim your bonus and free bet. Plus, the best part is that's only the beginning. MyBookie has promotions all holiday weekend. It starts with the Thanksgiving free roll. Then it rolls into Black Friday boosted odds for the Black Friday weekend. 
So, and then Cyber Monday is buy one, get one free bets on Monday night football. So big weekend over at my bookie, hop on board and use the code Ravens to claim your freebies. All right, guys, let's uh, do something a little better than the Ravens did Sunday and tackle this defense. All right. So uh, obviously not the defensive outing that we would have liked to see, Jason. Uh, significant chance to, to the Ravens, their chance to make the playoffs, a significant blow to it. Obviously, the, the Titans are a team who's likely to finish second, I think, now that the Colts beat the Packers in the South, which means the Ravens are a direct competitor for a playoff spot. They're going to have to beat the Browns again, sweep the Browns, and their playoff chances get a lot better. But um, if they lose to Pittsburgh, they'll be 6-5. and five. They'll have a lot of teams under 500 for the rest of the way on their schedule. Uh, but the Browns are also there, and they're going to have to they're just they're going to have to contain their run game like they weren't ultimately able to do um, this past Sunday. Yep, indeed. Uh, you know, I, I looked at the Pittsburgh game initially. The Ravens are only three point dogs. The COVID news came out today. They're up to four and a half. Last I checked, which is a, is not an insignificant dog, but it still gives the Ravens a pretty good chance to win this game, which is a little surprising. Well, the, the good news about the NFL is that it is week to week and you're, there's always surprises. Every week there's a surprise or two or five and home field advantage isn't what it used to be uh, pre-COVID. That's so certainly true. It's certainly possible. I mean, all they have to do is execute well and have Pittsburgh make a few mistakes and just like that, you'll, you'll beat them. Um, this isn't exactly... Um, Jacksonville without Gardner Minshew. I mean, the Ravens are still better than that. That's true. And and this is not a great Steelers team. Okay, it's a very good Steelers team, but the Steelers team are nowhere near as good as their record. Yeah, there nowhere are no great teams. <laughs> Maybe Kansas City is a great team. We'll have mm-hmm. to see. But, there, I mean, generally speaking, there are no great teams in the NFL these days. And Every Pittsburgh's now and then you a- get one. Very easy schedule so far for Pittsburgh, and they, they've certainly struggled even with some of the easier opponents, but certainly with some of the more difficult opponents, they've had very close games each time. So, right. uh, I, I, you know, there's a lot, of, lot to like about Pittsburgh. If you're them, they, they have a, a, a good quarterback. They have a good set of receivers. They have a very good defense. They have, particularly, they have a good pass rush that supports right. the rest of that defense. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic about the Ravens' chances. You, you, if uh, if you had to call it right now, would you go with the points or, or or lay the points this weekend? I would probably. I'm not. I'm not much of a betting man. I, I, I try not to get into sports betting like that. But if I had to, I'd, I'd go with Pittsburgh and the points before right. it goes up too high. Because <laughs> um, there's a lot of money that's that's being laid on Pittsburgh right now, and um, that makes you wonder. You know, you, you see something like that, and you see a line moving so much, and you wonder if Vegas knows something we don't. But ultimately, I, I, I'm not sure if the Ravens win another game until Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams get back. Well, those injuries obviously played a huge role in this game. Uh, very disappointing to me that the Ravens, even without those two, were unable to take advantage of a Titans offensive line that's just bubblegum and duct tape. And I kind of I, I, I want to take you through quickly what was wrong with that line. I promise this won't take more than a moment or two here. But sure. 
Just to go through what they've been through, the Titans had Taylor Lewan, who's a terrific left tackle. They lost him after five games. His replacement, Ty Sambrillo, uh, started against the Ravens, but he was injured midway through quarter four. They brought in David Quessenberry. This is not the Royals reliever of the 1980s, though it might as well have been, because this guy's age 30 and has had 50-5-0 previous career snaps. And he led them on the all the long down the field drive that gave them the go ahead score to go up 24 to 21. He was, he was at left tackle for that drive. Roger Saffold, the left guard sat out with an ankle injury, big injury for them. He was replaced by an undrafted free agent rookie, Aaron Brewer at left guard, 10 previous career snaps and get this. He's six one two seventy four, which is probably the smallest guard to take a snap in the NFL this season. If I had to bet. That's, um, yeah. And Ben Jones, the center, was coming off of an injury and was still a little bit banged up. Uh, that's that's right. That game. So he missed practice all week. He he had yep. to come out for one snap. And the, the backup center, Jamil Douglas, <laughs> airmailed the shotgun snap for <laughs> loss of 20, which, by the yes. way, is nice to see, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it reminded me of something. I wasn't quite <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, yes. Uh, Jones got in uh, a random poke in the eyeball and he had to leave for that snap that looked um, nasty didn't it blood and a poke in the eye I, a poke in the eye yeah. where the guy's eye is a little red but there's no blood i'm fine this with that. was a very physical game this this um you know the titans remind me when i saw them in this particular game especially regarding coaching and and just overall mindset they looked a lot like the patriots Especially with this, I mean, just putting, plugging guys in that have had so many snaps and, and them executing like that is something that a Belichick team would do. And I wonder, just offhand, if it's not Belichick's offensive assistant coaches that you need to hire, you need to hire former Belichick players like Vrabel um, if you want to have a team that executes like that. But they did make their fair share of mistakes, and um, it was such a frustrating game because the Ravens, played in my opinion they actually played well particularly the defense for three quarters um and the titans offense was not very complicated i mean that looking at the plays that they did on so many of their first and tens it was derrick henry up the middle for three yards it would have reminded a lot of ravens fans of, of the ravens offense running Mark Ingram or Gus Edwards up the middle for three yards on first down over and over and over again. And we would be complaining about Greg Roman, but there it is. The Titans were doing it. And uh, as we'll go over a little bit later, um, there were a couple turning points where the Ravens just didn't have the depth that they needed. And I'll give a couple defensive linemen credit for, for uh, playing their butts off, but eventually they just wore down. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think that was one of the big stories of the game was the Ravens did not have a fifth defensive lineman. They had one available, Aaron Crawford, who had a very high run game, run grade at North Carolina last year. It was one of the highest rated run grade players, according to PFF, last year. And he, for whatever reason, they decided not to not to activate him for this game. I can tell you the whatever reason, too. They activated three guys off the practice squad. One was a COVID call-up. That was Bryant. And two others were their two practice squad call-ups for the week, who were Wilson and Holden. So it's not like those guys didn't play. 
It's just a matter of what asset did they really need more, and could they have made yet another roster move in order to bring one of the, bring Crawford up? Considering the personnel that they put out there, the, the defensive formations throughout the game, then you would have to imagine that having a fifth defensive lineman would have been a priority. Absolutely. Yeah, so they played – you're referring to the fact they played more base defense in this game than they have any other game this season, 37 snaps. Mm-hmm. In fact, the last two weeks, they basically played half of the total base they've played the entire season. They played 37 this week, 34 last week against New England. Both were season highs consecutively, and that's basically half of the base snaps they've played. Uh, you mentioned that the base defense – sorry, you mentioned the run game they held held up pretty well for three quarters. The base defense – in in particular, was doing quite well. They had allowed, I'm going to get this right, 51 yards on 14 carries. So 3.6 mm-hmm. yards per carry through three quarters. And then just the base defense. We're not talking about the nickel getting gashed or, you know, they had some dime defense on the field. We'll get to that later. But in the fourth quarter and overtime, the Titans ran for 85 yards on nine carries, 9.4 yards per carry against the base defense. It is completely unacceptable to allow four yards per carry with the mm-hmm. base defense? Um, I Well, there are a couple plays, uh, but one in particular, that were turning points in the game for me, and they're, they're, they also happen to be highlight plays. But, I mean, for me, and um, you, you'll go over this in the offensive uh, podcast, but the interception chuck. Mm-hmm. Um that really, to me, the way I look at it, that was the turning point because the Titans proceeded to go on an 11 play drive after that, and they started to dominate time of possession after that. And um, because of the way they were built, because of the offensive, I mean, they were in 1 2 or 2 1 for most of the game. Uh, they had a couple 1 3s in there and stuff like that. Yep. But Pretty much the only time that they had 11 personnel was on third down. When they got to third and seven, uh, a a number of times they came out with 11 personnel. And for the most part, over the first three quarters, the Ravens were able to uh, stop that. Um, There were a a couple conversions, but um, you have to expect a couple breakdowns in – uh, on third down over the course of any game of any particular game. And of course they came out and they scored the touchdown on the first drive. Um, but between that and even when they were doing their comeback, the defense was able to hold them to field goals up until that, uh, AJ Brown play, which was the other one, that particular play, they were still holding on by a thread but the pass to AJ Brown, where he broke four, tackles. four or five, four tackles yeah. on that play, that was when the the uh, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. the The will of the defense, I think, was done after that, and you kind of saw that in in overtime. Well, they I thought that the Titans honestly really gave them a couple of big breaks. Uh, one, they had a a botch snap that resulted in a sack that took them off a, a close play. They had an incomplete pass on third and two, where I thought they should have gone for it on fourth and two and left mm-hmm. the left the Ravens right down by the goal line. Had they not made it. I, I was surprised they went for the field goal there. 
but they yeah, did. it was it was a I think it was a bad call. So it, it, analytics wise, I don't think it really makes sense. And then they also had the airmailed snap that lost him 20 from the seven yard line and forced him to kick a field goal. And for whatever reason, Goskowski seemed to find his leg and, and things were right against with for him this game after having a lousy year so far. Mm-hmm. Um, they made enough plays. The Ravens didn't. I mean, it, it, that sounds silly. It's very simplistic, but it's true. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm just, I'm I, my only point to, 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 kind of address what you're saying is I think they killed themselves rather than the Ravens are holding them to field goals. I think they held themselves to field goals oh, okay. on, those, on those drives. I think this basically from midway through the third quarter, they basically had yeah. their way with the Ravens defense. Well, I certainly think that they, they could have scored touchdowns there for sure. Yeah. It, yeah. They had the, the capability of scoring touchdowns there. Yes. From from nine thirty four the third, they had an eight play fifty three yard drive, a twelve play eighty one yard drive, a ten play ninety play drive. They knelt out the game for fifteen seconds with one for minus one, and then in overtime they had six for seventy three. Yeah, it doesn't get much more dominating than that. Yeah, it was yeah. it was done. Yeah, after that uh, point. Uh, it, it, another thing that kind of there's a lot of things about about how this went down that we could talk about and and you know that bother me about the individual things. I thought you know we're talking about the tired defensive line. Matabike and Washington were shut out on the defensive score sheet. That's that's even with a a, a you know a, a tired group. That shouldn't happen. They should have been making some tackles because the Titans were running the ball plenty. And beyond that, neither of them had a pressure event. In fact, the entire interior defensive line had only one pressure, and I think it was 74 pass rush snaps. So totally unacceptable in terms of what they got from the from the down lineman. Um, yeah, I think Ellis and Wolf, particularly Wolf. If I had to name a defensive MVP in this game, it would probably be Wolf. Um, performed admirably uh, for for that period of time, but it was mostly in run defense. They they didn't contribute a whole heck of a lot um, as far as pressuring. Then yeah, eventually they just gave. Eventually their legs gave out. I I just misstated something. I want to be careful about this. It was one out of seventy four. Sorry, on pa- right on pass snaps, it was one out of seventy four. So Ellis had the only pressure uh, of any interior defensive lineman. Uh, mm-hmm. Not much, obviously, to get out of that group. Uh, it, it, here's the problem with this: Let's say Campbell and Williams are not back, and you're already indicating you think Thursday is a beatdown. My problem is there is no magic formula to rearrange the chess pieces that remain to Martindale that will make this defense all of a sudden be able to stop the run. There's no, there's no additional defensive lineman they can get other than Crawford, who they obviously were unwilling to elevate. There's no, there's no other way to align this defense. They already tried three inside linebackers in this game. We get to that a little bit later in packages, but I don't see how they can realign this defense to make it hold water. Oh, we might have lost Jason here. Uh, I think I've lost you. Uh, Did we lose? Him? Okay, Jason, we can we can hear you fine. Yeah, you got you okay. okay. I, I'm hearing a little bit, just a tiny little bit, but I I can't um, gather what you're saying. Mark mark the time, Josh, so we can. Oh, yep, and it just magically got better. Okay, 
All right, so you're good. We're we're not sure, but no, no. but that's okay. We'll we'll are are you okay now that you can hear us? Yeah, I, I just kind of let you go on talking until you paused there so that you could have a clean break. <laughs> okay, we're we're in right. non-recording time, so Josh, you okay. you got us yep. right from here. I got it all marked, so take it from now. All right, let's uh, let's move on and talk a little bit about the packages the Ravens played in this game. We kind of hinted at this with some of the base package stuff, but I, I want to go through that quickly, Jason, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Played one snap at Jumbo. That was actually a memorable snap in this game on the goal line. They had board in as what would normally be a three-safety package. So they took Peters off the field. They took Elliott off the field. Not sure why they take Elliott off the field for board, which is effectively the exchange they're making, but they put board on the end of the line of scrimmage, which gives him coverage responsibility which was then beaten by Jonu Smith for a fairly easy one-yard touchdown run across the formation. Very reminiscent of the opener against Cleveland when there were actually two receivers running a pattern over there, but effectively the same kind of a toss for a TD. Elliot looked, from, from my vantage point, like he was the best tackling defensive back in the game. So I'm not sure, again, I, I kind of agree. Why, why would they put him take him out for that one play? But... Um, it was just, it was just one play and, uh, I, the Ravens have been vulnerable to, to tight ends all season. They've given up more touchdowns to tight ends than wide receivers this year. Hmm. Did not know that. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia lottery. Every day, grab and go every day, giftable every day, fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. So let's move back to talk about the jumbo package. They only played that for one snap, but they gave up a touchdown on the snap. Very reminiscent of a touchdown they gave up in the opener against Cleveland. Board on the line of scrimmage all the way on the offensive left side. Replaced effectively Elliott for the snap. Elliott never sits, by the way. Certainly had a good game as a tackler. Board left with coverage responsibilities being on the end of the line of scrimmage like that. And Jonu Smith got free in the left side of the end zone for the touchdown. Uh, yeah, considering Elliott was probably the best tackling Defensive back from start to finish in that game. I'm surprised that they took him out uh, for that play, and it, it looks like it, it, it cost him. Um, and it's not the first time uh, that uh, they've had trouble with. Uh, I remember Anthony Levine in the Texans game having trouble with the tight end, um, and the Cleveland game. Uh, I believe the Ravens have given up more touchdowns to tight ends than wide receivers this year, which is uh, indicative of uh, issues in the middle of the defense. Sure, that's that's really unusual. I, one of the things that's going to keep coming up as a uh, theme here is that the Ravens don't really have a third safety that they trust for their dime package. 
And the Ravens have always been a three safety, three corner dime primarily. They played a little bit of four corner dime. They had to do it against the Steelers who go with four wide receivers on the field last year against the Arizona Cardinals. But generally, they like to play a three safety, three corner dime, which gives them effectively an extra inside linebacker who is a safety who brings a lot more in terms of coverage skill to that middle of the field. And this year, they've been using instead Chris Board as that proxy. And I just don't believe he impacts the passing game in the way the Ravens would hope to optimally from that position. Uh, yeah. Um, snap 60 I have, which is uh, fourth quarter, 407 left. Uh, they had Board covering A.J. Brown on a, on a play that Board just couldn't do anything with that. That was a complete mismatch. But, um, I mean, this could be a case where we're not going to see a, a solution to this problem until next season. After Geno Stone, Nigel Warrior get a full training camp in, hopefully, or they bring in a free agent or something. I'm gonna, Anthony Levine, unfortunately, is no longer the dime back that he used to be. I agree with that. We've seen some of the problems with Levine this year in the Texans game. We actually got to start at big nickel, but it's, it, it's, it would be surprising to me if they allowed this to continue with the way it's gone. The, the season is now at the tipping point. I think we can fairly state probably after the Pittsburgh game, but certainly within the next two weeks at some point. And the Ravens need to need to figure out how to, how to plug the hole in the ship. Tremont Williams has played some safety. He could play on the back end or he could play dime if they had to. Uh, they have Geno Stone that they could use, I think, as the dime back. All it really I, takes I, is a good short area zone player. I think they just signed Pierre Desir, too. Cornerback, right? Yeah. Um, they're, they're signing all these corners. <laughs> uh, but like you said, maybe they're, they're signing corners in, in an attempt to see if any of them can, can move to safety. Well, one of the things, and it'd be a shame if they had to, because Jimmy Smith has played great this year, but they could go back to playing Jimmy Smith on the back end of dime packages and let either Elliott or Clark move up, where either one would be a pretty effective dime. Um, certainly the role Clark played last year for a lot of the season. We'll have to see. Uh, I, think the, I think the more pressing thing, it's very fortunate in – one respect that um, these aren't season-ending injuries for for Campbell and Williams, but um, fixing the defensive line may be the the best thing for the secondary because they kind of go hand in hand. And um, if you have uh, just a, a bigger, better, more consistent pressure from the DL, um, it could you'll cover be able up to get away problem. with less. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that, but I don't think there's a reason not to fix both problems. And that's where I am on this, Jason. I agree with you completely that Williams and Campbell will greatly improve the defense. But if they still have board as what is effectively their dime safety, I think they're giving away too much defensively, even with those guys back. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I, it's just not something I would do. It's a, it doesn't match. But we'll we'll see. They have a short week. And then um, I wonder if they'll be able to make the adjustments in a short week. Um, but then after that, they're going to have a long week and, um, they should be able to get some extra, uh, X's and O's in between the Pittsburgh right, they, game. And who was, who's next after Pittsburgh? Dallas. 
They, that was- they have only classroom time this week and, and a walkthrough, which will be done in masks. So they don't have any real practice time on the field the way they did say last week. Now, in a short week, they wouldn't typically have a lot of that anyway, but at least they'd be on the field for an extra day. Yeah. So to, to not have that does, I think, make it a little bit more difficult for a player like Stone to become the free safety. I, I think they could still do it if they could live with Smith being a deep safety that they could bring either Clark or Elliott up to play the dime with really no lost time. I think either of those ones, either of those two could do it. Clark certainly has done it already. So it wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a problem. I don't think for him. And then they could see if any of the street free agent cornerbacks can, can play. There you go. Against, against Pittsburgh, we are expecting to see some 10 personnel and some Oh one personnel as well, where the, uh, you know, the, the, they effectively have forced the Ravens into the four cornerback dime in the last meeting. So yeah. that will, that basically takes up all of their current cornerbacks. With That's Trent. what turned the game around in that Pittsburgh game. It was Absolutely. the exact opposite of what happened in the, in the Tennessee game. Yeah. And, but, you know, Roethlisberger, it, I mean, Pittsburgh has been, while Big Ben has been in the game, uh, Pittsburgh's been more of a passing offense for some time now. Yeah, very much so. And and Roethlisberger got the ball out of his hands very quickly, but they were fearless about running out of an empty formation for those two mm-hmm. scoring drives in the second half. And it was all basically taking advantage of Terrell Bonds. They, they completed three passes, had another pass interference penalty. But when you look at what those drives were, a bunch of short passes and a bunch of penalties, you know, mm-hmm. that was a lot of the offense. <laughs> so, you know, it was penalties a- are a huge problem with this team right now. Huge. And and you'll be going over a couple of, of, of penalties uh, next podcast and in this one, I mean, we had the the pass interference call right off the bat was was the uh, one big penalty, and then the roughing the passer penalty. Those were the on two. Top of that, yeah, the pass interference penalty. It was it was a penalty, and and it's just something Humphrey needs to play better. And honestly, I thought his coverage was pretty decent. That he didn't really have to have his hand on the jersey and be doing any of the other give any of the other indicators to the referee to the official down that sideline that would get, get a flag drawn the roughing the passer penalty. I, I mean, I've been all year. I've been saying these roughing the passer penalties are garbage, but this one was especially bad. It was a mid thigh hit. He didn't wrap up at all, which is the point at which even if first contact is above the knee, if you then uh, forcefully contact below the knee, it's a roughing the passer call. He didn't do any of that. He didn't wrap up. He just allowed Tannehill to fall backwards off of that contact. And it didn't make any sense to me that they did a very big penalty in the game. This is a, it's a sore spot with me, <laughs> the roughing the passer thing. I mean, he, going all the way back to the malice in his heart days with Terrell Suggs. And <laughs> it's just, a, it, it's a sore spot. And I'm not, I, I don't know what I can say about it other than I wish it didn't happen. I know why it happens, but I don't think that makes it right. Um, and, uh, uh, I, I, I can't mm, it's it's just one of those things that just frustrates you I mean the game as a whole was if you weren't a Ravens or Titans fan and you had to watch through the whole game it was excruciating I mean the the the, the stoppages from from uh, injuries and potential phantom injuries and um, uh, reviews and double checking and penalties and the the last drive that Tennessee had before halftime, where they scored the the field goal after doing the um, uh, the fake punt, mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> and I think that was the uh, that was the play that had the the uh, roughing the passer on it, if I'm correct. The, yeah, yeah, it wasn't the fake punt. It was that drive. Yeah. Uh, two thirty-five. The McPhee roughing the passer right there. Um, I literally almost fell asleep watching <laughs> it. I caught myself nodding off. It was it was that bad of a viewing experience for me. Okay, well, I, ma- I match your frustration. Maureen and I are working during the game, so we don't have that same problem. The, the game can get very slow, and we're just happier because we're recording stuff and having to you kind of try to catch up to the video at certain times. So that's a it's a interesting that that you you felt that way about it. To me, it was a screaming at the TV experience, which is just annoys the heck out of me and, and makes the dog really upset too in our house. So <laughs> For me, that was the me. Pittsburgh game. For me, that was the Pittsburgh game. I'm still not over it. I'm not going to be over it unless they win on Thursday, which I don't think they will. Uh, New England was just a lousy, rain-infested um, slog fest, and then and then the Tennessee game didn't really feel much different to me than the than the New England game. Um, right, but I mean, me- if you look at the season, sorry, if you look at the season at the start of the season, you, you take a look at the schedule, and I I saw that five game stretch, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. Indianapolis, New England, Tennessee, Pittsburgh. That was the stretch of tough games. And right now they're one and three and they're looking at one and four in that tough part of the schedule in the middle of the season. I'm not sure what that's going to say, but Harbaugh teams in the past have been able to go on runs against uh, bad teams after that. So the Ravens might very well be six and five and then, finish the season 10 and six with a wild card anyway. But then what are they going to do in the playoffs? Because they have to play good teams. Hey, you're, we're, we're way thinking ahead of this. We just, Sorry. <laughs> we'll worry about that later. Yeah. I mean, right now I want to get the My mind goes the all over the place sometimes. I, I, I mean, it's not like I don't agree with you that, that they won't, they, they aren't a dangerous playoff team with their current roster as constituted. I just have to hope that the roster is constituted with the, return of Williams and Campbell and hopefully not a lot of other injuries while other teams have some is going to level the playing field more. And we know that Harbaugh has, has a good record in the playoffs. The Ravens in general have a great record in the playoffs in their history. And, uh, and they've been a good playoff team, even on the road and they, they, they're built defensively. I can hope for those things anyway, but we're way far ahead. We, we need to you know get through this regular season. If you would, let me, let me backtrack a little bit because I'm, I'm mm-hmm. done with the packages. I want to move on. I want to talk about the pass rush a little sure. bit and and lay some numbers out there. So a few things I'm just going to toss out there, then we'll discuss it a little bit. Tannehill had ample time and space on 14 of 33 dropbacks. That's 42% as I scored it. Too much for today's game. That's effectively a three-second pocket he's getting. Um, he was good with those numbers. He generated a lot of it off of play action. Uh, one yes. of the big problems was the play action really was fooling the edge defender who was committing to Henry. Yes, I saw Ferguson get get bit yep. uh, a couple times. Um, and uh, uh, Judon, Bowser, uh, when they weren't in coverage. Um, that's what they do. I mean, they, uh, again, they have a, a simplistic style, but they commit to it. And it's Henry, and it's Henry, and it's Henry, and it's Henry again, and then it's play action a few times. Um, And it works, or at least it worked in this particular game. But 
they're seven and three. I mean, it's um, they have their problems, but they're still seven and three, and there's a reason for it. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're not about it. They're a good football team, but they ran play action virtually every time Tannehill was under center. It was the automatic call when when Henry was deep and Tannehill was well. Henry's always deep if if Tannehill's under center, but if every time Henry was behind Tannehill, basically they ran play action, and yeah, it, to, to me there was you know it wasn't like. It wasn't to be expected. They just had they, the Ravens just needed to have a better response of having a person who's responsible for Tannehill on those plays. And it's not only that, but it, there wasn't a whole lot of variety in what they were doing either. I, I saw, for example, I've got the first play of quarter two, uh, trips right. Um, they have, uh, and they repeated that. Uh, on uh, uh, 236, they had a, they had a couple plays. Basically, they had they had uh, trips right, and then they had Janu Smith on the other side uh, covering the line by himself, and Janu Smith crossing, uh, doing a crossing pattern. And they ran that same kind of uh, play uh, like four times in the game, and it wasn't really particularly any different what they did. But that's um, tight ends beating Queen and Harrison in the middle who yeah. are biting or Queen and Ford when it was those two or Board alone mm-hmm. when it was him. The inside linebackers just had a very unimpressive game in terms of pass coverage. They, they contributed extremely little to any pass plays. Queen had the quarterback hit on the interception. Harrison made a good play on a, on a for minus one on a play in front of him. Board had a quarterback hit. None of them made a play on a ball behind them. None of them. You throw it between mm-hmm. level two and level three, you might as well not have underneath defenders. And if, Pretty much, and that's that's my big problem. And that, that's why I think basically my basic pro- problem is you have to go back to having a dime back. They had nine snaps in that game where they had board out there in obvious passing situations. You mm-hmm. have to have a legitimate dime back in there. They've got the guy on the team. They just have to find another guy for the back end. And I think you know having Geno Stone back there, I'll take my chances. I agree. I completely agree with that. Or if not Stone. Nigel Warrior, if he's the guy, you know, somebody that can actually do that. Um, uh, it's it puts a strain on the defense. The, this secondary is still really good. They mm-hmm. they played poorly, but this is a really this is one of the best secondaries in the league. But you can still ask them to do too much um, between the five of them. Yes. Uh, yeah. So when you when you do that and then you and you put somebody who can't cover uh, and you ask five people to play six defensive backs, it it's a problem. Right. I mean, it, it could even be they'll pick on Queen with a, you know, three on top of four situation or even, you know, any situation where Queen is not rushing the passer, basically, and is one of either six or seven defenders who are dropping to levels two and three is always the risk they'll pick on Queen. So that's not going to go away unless Queen is rushing the passer or not on the field on third down. But having Board on the field on these on these downs isn't an adequate replacement for Queen. He's not getting it done in terms of stopping anything that's between level two and three. So I, I'm just I'm at a point I, I I don't think the Ravens can continue with this proxy dime they've been running. And I, I got us off a, a off a off track here because I really want to talk about the pass rush at this point. But we uh, do keep going well, back. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, well, that's, I mean, it's, it's almost like when we, the pass rush was a major concern at the start of the season. And now 
it's like it's the third biggest concern. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought um, the edge rushers were good in this game, so I don't even—I wouldn't even say it was a concern in this game. The, the only concern is interior pass rush not being what mm-hmm. they want on early downs when they have to have their jumbo guys in because those guys aren't providing much in the way of pressure. But the, the the outside linebacker pass rush and the schematic pass rush when they can get to the down and distance that is appropriate for that, no problem at all with how good that's been. And Gakwe finally showed up uh, on a few plays in this in this particular game uh, around the middle of the game, towards the end of the second quarter uh, and the beginning of, of the third quarter. And that was nice to see, uh, including the strip sack fumble um, that created the third and 16 situation. Yeah, that was a, that was a terrific play. It was exactly what the Ravens got him to do, and he used his signature move, that chop move, to get past that left tackle with one hand to get there, which is exactly what we want to see. It, it does it, it checks all the boxes because it fans out that left tackle, creates a B gap rush opportunity, which they didn't take advantage of on that play, and also allows him to get around the edge and often or occasionally get a pressure and get his arm on the quarterback in some way. Had another pressure earlier in this game, you probably saw it, where he, he put his hand on the quarterback on Tannehill and Tannehill overthrew the ball. But I mean, Tannehill certainly felt that. It, it didn't feel like hard pressure, but it felt like my clock's run out. Yes. Uh, and uh, after the sack, uh, he followed that up with another pressure. Very that, next play. Uh, on the very next play that uh, he was going towards uh, Smith again, the tight end, but... Um, uh, was inaccurate. Yeah, he wasn't on the field for too much, which, by the way, I think is the appropriate usage for Ngakwe, and certainly against a team like the Titans, which which run big. Uh, and, and we should get to this in the player stuff, but he was only on the field for 17 passes and five runs. That 22 mm-hmm. snaps, that's the right amount to play Ngakwe when you're not sure if the team might be running. You don't want him yes. on the field for run plays. Yeah. yeah, he was absolutely appropriately used. He's not someone who's going to help you run defense that that ter- terribly much. He's reminiscent to me of, of the Elvis Doomerville type. Yeah, a little bit same kind of build. A lot of people have, have compared him to Doomerville, but that's a that's a good point. And, uh, you know, certainly a, 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 a smaller guy who you definitely want in as a as a passive hitter. Elvis Doomerville, really an iron man when he played with the Broncos, but I don't know why they wanted him on the field on early downs. Well, uh, can't tell you there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's continue on. A few more numbers about the pass rush here. They rushed five plus on 55% of snaps. That's above their season average of 44%. Uh, deception, they did not do too much of of stunts, which they've had some real success with recently, but they only used two stunts in this game. That limited use, I think, was a function of trying to control the run game, not get players out of position, not destroy their their gap responsibilities for Henry. So Henry's even having an impact on the passing game there. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, takes a, or it may allow you to have a better chance to have screens develop because your exterior players are trying to either uh, jam jam between two offensive linemen or they're trying to stunt to the inside. Either way, it's not good for defending against a screen pass. So a lot of that, I think, the, the underuse utilization of stunts, that's not a good word because I think it was the correct utilization, but the low utilization of stunts uh, was a function of, of what they had to do otherwise to respond to the Titans' offense. Uh, not to mention the personnel. I mean, not having Campbell available um, changes what you can do on the defensive line, especially in regards to stunts. 
Sure, sure does. Wolf is also a good underneath guy, though. They could have used him some. And then you've got Ngakwe, Judon, Bowser, and Matabike, all some quicker players who can do some overaction. But they, they didn't use it, and I, I respect the, the choice not to. Moving on to blitzes, they had 13 of those from off the line of scrimmage. That's a high total for the number of passes they had, but not an extraordinarily high total. It's 13 out of 33. Uh, five drops of two. Oh, the point I want to make about that was a fair number of those were run blitzes. So you have to look at that and say they weren't really they rushing the passer. Were. Yeah, <laughs> they absolutely were, and I think that's on purpose. The idea being, if you run blitz and there's a play action pass, sometimes you just happen to run into the quarterback. Anybody who's ever played any tabletop football knows the blitz is pretty effective versus the run. Occasionally, it can allow a big spring, usually of a play, but also can get you for a loss there. So it's good to get people in the backfield, uh, usually against the run anyway. Five drops of two-plus players. The simulated pressure was fairly effective in this game. Those five plays, three quarterback hits, one other pressure, two out of five on conversions, and Bowser's interception was among those plays. So I thought that the simulated pressure worked out pretty well in this game. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Bowser's um, interception was a momentum changer. Um, that pretty much carried uh, the Ravens. And um, I believe it's certainly a thing. What what uh, Ray Lewis called Uncle Mo, I think. Um, but uh, momentum, that, that play carried them through about a quarter and a half All right. of, uh, of momentum on their side. And um, All the way to I really hope they re-signed Bowser. Yeah, I agree. I, he's, a, he's a very significant part of this defense. And uh, there'll be a, not a lot of teams that have money to spend. So there's a good possibility a player like Bowser gets overlooked. But I tell you, when I was doing the Know Your Foe with a Patriots guy, you know, Bowser and Judon are two two players that he's already thinking Belichick wants. And I'm like, uh, well, why wouldn't he? <laughs> well, why wouldn't he? And the Patriots have more money than God next year. So they're, yeah. you know, they're, it's, it's a bad situation cap wise that could mean the Ravens lose a couple of key players. I just I don't see them keeping both Judon and Bowser, so I'm only hoping that they can keep one. Fair if enough. If they can keep one, then they can they can still do some things. Yeah, Bowser. I, I guess they're about the same age, but uh, um, Judon would, would looks like he's going to cost a lot more at this point. Certainly. I uh, just want to mention briefly. We haven't talked about McPhee or Judon. Both of them had really good pass rush games. McPhee, I don't really blame for the for the penalty that wasn't. I, I just I'm just upset about the penalty. Uh, so he had a, a what two quarterback hits and two other pressures, mm-hmm. and we had Judon he ended had, a drive on third and seven one time, uh, nine forty in quarter two, on a pass that was intended for Brown. Yep, and also extended a drive on third and seven once <laughs> on a, on a yeah. passer, which wasn't. There were a lot of like well, there were a lot of second and sevens, third and sevens. Third and six, even a fourth and seven. That was the faith, fake punt. Mm-hmm. By the way, I, I I heard it said that the Ravens were clueless on that fake punt. We don't have a special teams play, but I just want to point out Levine was playing that exactly correctly. If if he if he really didn't know what the hell was going on, he'd have been up there jamming that gunner. But he wasn't jamming the gunner. He saw what was happening. He saw a, a quarterback was in to take that up back snap, and he backed off to exactly the line to gain which is exactly mm-hmm. where he's supposed to be. Unfortunately, <laughs> couldn't do anything about Unfortunately, it. Unfortunately, he just could not quite get there. The pass was perfectly thrown, perfectly slotted in there. And it's just an unfortunate situation because that would have been a great opportunity for the Ravens to put the game away at that point, perhaps. 
that stunk, but that play in and of itself did not lose the 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 Ravens the game. And they had they they tacked on a touchdown to make it twenty one to ten. Well after that play, so uh, sometimes you just got to tip your cap. Right. I, I agree. It was just it was just one of those plays. It was a it was a well thrown ball. It was a, it was frankly a well defended ball. I I, I don't blame Levine. Uh, individual player discussions we normally do here. Jason, let's take a couple players each here, but you go first and a player you liked what they did, maybe that we haven't talked about so far. Um, that we haven't talked about. Well, um, I'll I'll reiterate that I was happy most with Derek Wolf's play, I think, um, being the only starter um, left on the defensive line. Um, there were a couple plays where he looked pretty bad, but for the most part, uh, he was the best, perhaps sometimes the only defensive lineman that was uh, doing well uh, for the game. And he even made a play in overtime um, to stop a, a Derrick Henry run for little to no gain, which was like the one play that was successful in overtime for the Ravens. <laughs> was it the loss of two they had in overtime where he wasn't blocked? Might have been. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. I'm looking at the Tennessee drive here. I don't I don't actually see Wolf's tackle there, but that's okay. We, Wolf, I know he had a tackle for minus two that brought up third and 10 earlier in the game. And that was a, uh, it was a good play, but, but he was just unblocked, which by the way, that, yeah. that, that to me, that is one of those things where that's the things that's what's supposed to happen in terms of continuity problems or cohesion problems for an offensive line. That's hardly played at all. And that's what, that's right. what the Titans had. I mean, that's supposed to happen. How did we not yeah. get more of that? I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> All right. I also thought Wolf played pretty well and, and certainly the best of the linemen. They had a lot of a lot of problems otherwise in terms of those guys not really doing the job. Ellis had a lot of snaps in this game. He's just being asked to do way too much. He played even more than Wolf, 55 to 53 snaps as I have it, and I take out the penalties and kneels and spikes, and you should get a slightly different number, but you should be relatively the same that, that he played a couple more snaps than Wolf. Uh, had one pressure in the game. Otherwise, he, he had, I think, four tackles, which is not terrible for, for playing the run as much as he did. Three of those were on short yardage, so they were, they were good defensive wins. Played his heart out, no doubt about it. He just was not good enough in the end to really hold the point of attack and keep those guards from moving up to level two off their double teams very quickly. Uh, Ellis is just not that athletic of a guy on an NFL level. Um, But I do like him uh, for what he is. Uh, He should be a guy coming in in reserve packages, but that's what just wasn't available. I think... You know, one of the great fallacies is this uh, is, is next man up. Um, I understand that if you are on a team, that's all you can do. Mm-hmm. And so you have to gear your mind up for the for the next man up mentality. But sometimes if if certain people aren't available, that's just the, that's just the way it's going to be, you know, Um the San Francisco 49ers are on the outside looking in playoff wise right now, basically because of who's hurt. That's right. And don't tell them next man up or at least their fans, their coach will sit there and take it because that's all he can do. Yeah. But, but the, the fans, uh, you know, they're like, screw you. <laughs> we we and, know why we lost this season. 
And right now, Philadelphia Eagles fans are ready to run Carson Wentz out of town, but their offensive line, much like the, the, the Titans, is a mass unit. You know, that's what's supposed to happen, though, with a bad offensive line against the Ravens. Now, that game, unfortunately, was Calais Campbell who did most of the damage in that game, mm-hmm. beating up on Jamil Brown, I believe it was, or Jamar Brown. I may have the name wrong. He was released the following day. so he's One of the Browns. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, but anyway, he he uh, had a tough game as uh, defending the, the Ravens three-tech, <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to, to say the least, in that one. Um, and in this particular case... Uh, Ellis and Wolf were pretty much it. It was Ellis and Wolf, and like you said earlier, the rookies did not contribute. Right. So they ran out of gas eventually. But I mean, Ellis, I have, I mean, he stops Henry for four yards. He stops Henry for three yards in the first quarter. Thirteen forty-five stops him for four yards. The second quarter, second and seven. Stops him for no gain. Um, I noticed he had three stops that were defensive wins. And so what you do is a good – this is a good trick to to do it if you're a football writer or you're you're just an interested fan. Go through the game book and, and do a control F on the player's name and look at the <clears> tackles <throat> he's made for how many yards they are, the tackles he contributed to. It's one of the things I report on regularly. And I think I think you're, what you're doing, obviously, is a, is a very good you know method – to find for a defensive lineman where they played well. Because often, often it's really hard to see that from the broadcast video, exactly how they're contributing to it. But at least if they were given a share of the tackle, you have one side of it. The other yeah, side I see is, four. Yeah. I see four plays, four such plays, the maximum being uh, the four-yard gain. A four-yard gain was one. on what uh, down a distance to? That was, uh, that was a first and ten. Okay, that was so- one of their myriad uh, Derrick Henry run-up-the-middle plays on first and ten. Okay, so that, that actually uh, would became be, a second and six. That actually would be a defensive win. So you get up four on first and ten, three on first and ten, one on second and one. That's not a win. That's the problem. No. Okay. No. So otherwise they were uh, they were good. But anyway, Ellis, it's not like he did nothing. He just it was not a uh, you know net an effort that the Ravens needed from that position, and they they need boy do they need Brandon Williams back. I said that in the Titans game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, your turn. I mean, I mean not the Titans game. The I said that about regarding the Texans. I think your turn <clears> next <throat> yeah. on another player. Next on another player, um, Queen. We talked about him a little bit. I'm really not sure what I would do with Patrick Queen right now. I would potentially even consider putting him more on the outside because he's. He's making plays in front of him. Um, I saw the uh, there was a uh, a blitz. They blitzed him second play of quarter two, 1422, uh, third and four. And he he blitzed up the middle and he hid himself very well behind uh, uh, three or four people and then bounced uh, to the side where he bounced to the A gap, if you, if you understand that. I, I do. And, and the offensive line, the left guard was not nearly quick enough to make the move to pick him up. That's, that was Aaron right. Brewer. So he's, he's very good at that kind of stuff. He's not, he, he's just not there coverage wise. I don't, now I'm not giving up on him. He's just a rookie. 
he, but he needs a full off season um, in order to round out his game as a, as a coverage linebacker. He, he has the athleticism to be a very good coverage linebacker, but he's got to have the light bulb turned on. I would consider starting to use him in different ways uh, for the rest of this season than he's been used. Right. I, I would agree with that. And, and the, pro- here's the, the, the problem is, is it's got multiple layers here because the Ravens drafted him number one, obviously they need him to be the guy at Mike linebacker. It doesn't make sense for him to play will because the will doesn't stay on the field every down. He could in theory, learn both positions but that would make the learning curve that much different and move from Will to Mike on, say, passing downs. Okay. And, and if, if he were the complete player at some point in the future, that might be a reasonable spot for him with Harrison taking a two-down Mike role. That would seem to make more sense in terms of the physical fit of those two players. Mm-hmm. But, but Queen, as the, as the Mike, is being asked to be a good tackler, and he hasn't been. He's being not particularly no. Yeah, and he, and he's being asked to be a good coverage player, because not by the Ravens, by the other team who's picking on him constantly. And you know, it's it just it makes it a very it, it's a very challenging situation for him to learn on the fly in the NFL. I he, you know, he's got tremendous tools. He's made all kinds of progress. Let's be clear here. The important thing to do right now for the 2020 Ravens whose season is on the line is not to grade Patrick Queen on the curve or for what he can do for this team 14 months from now. We need to know what can Patrick Queen do for the Ravens right now. And if that's not what LG Fort can do, or that's not what Harrison could do with some Mike with with Fort in as the will linebacker here, uh-huh. then they need to think about, about how do you pair back what he does and make his job more simple, put him in in some maybe some pass rushing situations, cut him back to, to 20 snaps a game instead of 55 snaps a game. Could not agree more. Uh, that's that's the situation that they're at right now. Hey, if they lose four more games in a row and they're out of the playoffs and everything like that, put him in there. He's your starter guy. <laughs> yeah, have him learn. You know, you're looking forward to 2021 at that point, so you'll be putting in more young players. But um, right now, he's a liability in certain situations. Yeah, they've they've done the the important thing, I guess, at Morton's start is they've got him off the field on third down. But the problem is that I don't really uh, like exactly how they're doing that, which we don't need to go into any further than that. Uh, additional players, who do I want to talk about? Uh, we already talked a little bit about Ngakwe. Judon had a very good game. Uh, in terms of rushing the passer, he had uh, a sack, a quarterback hit, or two quarterback hits, and I believe a couple other pressures. So, very positive game for Judon. He's playing much better since Ngakwe got here, and I think he's he's going to explode the rest of the season in terms of the numbers, quarterback hits, and sacks he gets because of the way they're aligning him off ball, a lot of which will be able to take advantage of Ngakwe's gap opening skills and not to mention the stunt abilities underneath that the Ravens have. Uh, yeah, I, um, I, I think after the supposedly the, the Pittsburgh loss coming up, (laughs) (laughs) um, they're going to be going against some more NFC East teams like the Dallas, uh, coming up. Um, and, uh, uh, they still got to play the Giants, I think. 
Yep. Jacksonville. They're still on the schedule. Cincinnati. Cincinnati game without Joe Burrow is on the schedule. Jacksonville. So you're going to see the defense start looking better um, against uh, uh, teams that aren't. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say like personnel wise, uh, Tennessee's offensive line is was was horrible, but they got they're coached up. You know, they they have a very good sense of what they're doing and they have an idea of situational football and all that kind of stuff. And you've got organizations from the top down that have problems with communication and, and, and scheme and, and, and philosophy coming up that you're going to see this defense maybe look better down the stretch of the season than it actually is. But you're going to see Judon and Ngakwe and Bowser and perhaps even Ferguson and McPhee. You're going to see them start, I think, I think you're going to see them start to light it up. Um, sure should happen. Season. A lot of quarterbacks not getting the ball out quickly ought to really help. And that's what and some really bad thinking. quarterbacks coming up. All right, Josh, let's go to the mailbag here. I know we got some questions. All right, yeah, uh, long show today, so we're just going to take a couple right now, and we'll squeeze some more in tomorrow. Uh, this is your mailbag, your chance to get your questions in using the hashtag filmstudymailbag. Uh, first one up is, is there any particular philosophies or concepts you would like to see integrated into the defense this offseason via a coaching hire? Like a, That's a great question. Um, I, I, I pretty much love the way Martindale had been running the defense in every way except play this proxy dime back bull crap. Uh, otherwise, I'm really happy with everything he does. I love the schematic pass rush. I think it makes more out of less. I love his snap management. That's at a wonderful level. I love generally the way he's he's uh, addressed things to be use extreme packages in extreme situations. Even that, in a sense, we've seen that the last couple of weeks. They played zero dime back snap dime snaps. This week, it's kind of an extreme response to a running team. So I like a lot of what what uh, uh, Martindale does. I, I don't think he deserves any sort of grief as a coordinator at this point. How about you, Jason? Um, ditto. <laughs> All right. Nice to be simple. Fast mailbag. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, let's close it out with this. Uh, the Ravens struggled to tackle on Sunday. How much of that is because they are trying to punch the ball out? and going for the strip, is that hurting actual tackles? I do not believe so, no. I agree. Um, <laughs> I think that the uh, uh, Humphrey, he's kind of started this fruit punch craze um, with the Ravens. He is tackling the guy while he's doing that very efficiently, normally. Um, and I didn't see... Um, I, I saw a few arm tackles, but they were not going after the ball when they were arm tackling. They were just tired. Yeah, I, I agree. I think in particular, the four missed tackles on the Brown touchdown, which was one of the high volume scream at the TV moments in the game. It was Clark first who just, he wrapped, but he, he just couldn't hold. He was too tired. Uh, then you had uh, Peters who missed it a yard further on. Then you had a Humphrey who overran the play. Then you had Queen who got steamrolled five yards into the end zone. So I, I didn't I think mean, it, I don't think it was fruit punching any of that. Yeah, I was more jersey grabbing than fruit punching. All right, all right. Um, 
Jason, is there anything we can plug for you? Well, um, I am on uh, the RSR message board. I'm WNC Ravens fan, if you want to catch me on that. And I also uh, tweet uh, at 25 Nuggets. All right. That's simple. 25 Nuggets. All right, Ken, this week is a compact week. We've got all the normal shows. We've got the Situation Room came out this morning. Every other show that's normally out is coming out, but we've got to cram it all in before Thanksgiving. Yeah, we've got about an 18-hour, 16-hour cycle for these shows rather than normal 24 hours. And so look for them more frequently on the site, if you will. The uh, the defense article is up there already. The offensive line article will come out on Wednesday. And in between, we've got a number of podcasts. We've already done Know Your Foe. Know Your Foe will be out on Tuesday afternoon. Correct, Josh? So they'll be hearing <laughs> yeah. this tomorrow so, morning in theory. All right. Yep, so the schedule is the Situation Room came out Monday morning. Uh, the defensive breakdown came out le- overnight Tuesday morning. Tuesday late afternoon will be Know Your Foe. Wednesday into Thursday overnight will be the offensive breakdown. Wednesday evening will be the By the Numbers. Thursday we all get to enjoy with our family that lives in the same household and watch the Ravens game. And, and a great thing to do is just stick an earbud in and allow, listen to those podcasts during that time while your family is fighting with each other. Right. Especially when your family this year is just going to be on zoom. <laughs> you can just, do them. nobody knows. <laughs> there you so, go. Jason, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, do you, do you need to plug anything else, Josh? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm okay. No, no. Jason, really appreciate you coming on the show. And I want to want to uh, direct people. One of the reasons I found Jason originally is just because the very high level of conversation he provides. Uh, make sure you follow him. If, if you go to RSR, look at the posts that he does because they're at a very high level of quality. Uh, generally, there's, there's a lot of good conversation there. And uh, Jason, I just really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show with us. Uh, thank you very much for the, um, for the flattery. And um, I am uh, proud to uh, be on your show. Thank you. Well, thanks very much, Jason. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone.